Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about web design and development. I'm Dave, turning 40 today. Rupert with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, it's Chris. Literally today? Literally today is my, well, the day we're recording, not the day we release this, but oh, turn 40 today, man. Happy birthday, Dave. I'm just Thank finding out you. for the first time. And it's another, it's, it's you, I'm, I can't believe I didn't know this, but you share it with my co-founder, Mr. Alex, who's been on the show. It's his birthday really? as well today. So. Hey, happy birthday, Alex. Yeah. That's nice. Send a little message there. Well, that's fantastic. Um, 40 even too. So do you have thoughts oh, about man. that? I mean, let, let's get into it, but, but we have uh, a guest here too, who's, who can, who can reminisce with us too. Vitaly. Hey, Vitaly. Hello, Chris. Hello. And Dave, wow, 40. I had no idea. Congratulations. And you decided to spend the time with me today. Yeah. This is what a gift. It's like, Vitaly is gift. ageless. I would You could tell me you are with me. 25 or 50 and I'd be like, oh, that both, both of those sound right. Well. <laughs> But I mean, I'm. Uh, but you, you've just done too much for it to be 25, though. So I'm going to say 32. No, four, 38. Shit. How old are you? Billy? How old do you think? Do I look like 25? No, that's, I that's so. the whole thing. It's, oh, no. I agree. Ageless is probably the most accurate. Um, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, you're old and wise, but healthy and young and, you know. Isn't even the word vitally is kind of like a c- close to a word that like means health or something? Well, that's it? what like, my par- parents thought as well, actually. Um, it's interesting because I think that like if you take me, let's say, 10 years ago, it would probably look like 35. And now I am 35 and I feel like 30, which is a bit weird. So I'm actually 35, 35. now. That's, I would have gone over on prices, right? That's fine. That's fine. We're all friends here. You. Just in case anybody doesn't know you, they probably do because you've been on the show before and and just are a big player in the web design and development community because you um, operate, well, it's Smashing Magazine, which is quite literally smashingmagazine.com, which kind of feels like a home base for everything you do, um, if nothing else, because the top nav on <laughs> smashingmagazine.com says it all. You have this, you know, huge web publication that, uh, you know, aggressively publishes tons of articles like, like myself. We've been in the same business there for a while. But then you also produce books and sell those. You produce events, sell those. There's a job board. There's membership. There's all this stuff. It really feels, you know, especially lately, like a really strong, cohesive uh, suite of stuff that you do under the smashing brand. So, so that's Vitaly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank but you. Thank you so much, Chris. But actually, I think that, you know, we have a very small team. Uh, I think we just really got to the point right now where we feel like we are the team, you know? So the company has existed now for 14 years or so, and it's been like all ups and downs and this and that. And right now, I feel like we have such an incredible team of people who are really kind of committed and dedicated to their work. And so that shows, I guess. Uh, but, you know, um, CSS Tricks is very much in the same boat. And I think that you're doing an incredible job there as well. And the articles are just Yeah, we do stellar. a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, of course. We're like brothers from old sisters uh, of both. Which is fine. There should be 10 more of us. Yeah. Do you see over time that people kind of... Uh, I don't know, attempt to replicate the model a little bit. I feel like not not exactly, but I I see it plenty, you know. Back in our early days, I feel like we we're there there just wasn't as much like I'm going to have a big blog about technology. Uh not that we invented the use case of a blog, right. but I think frankly that it's this time is over. I mean, at the, I mean I remember vividly maybe 7 10 years ago there were so many blogs and so many magazines or, you know, blogs that actually wanted to become magazines or things like that. Um, and I don't see them anymore. I mean, the only thing I see right now is Medium uh, and a couple of blogs yeah, on you, Medium. I think there's yeah, less of it now. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I also see that many of those interesting conversations that happened in the past in comments uh, or maybe in forums, they still happen in forums sometimes. I mean, CSS Tricks has incredible forums. Um, but at the same time, many of them are kind of semi-private and they're kind of lost in Slack channels and maybe Zoom talks and um, all those things. And not even on Twitter. I don't see much happening on Twitter anymore. I mean, every now and again, there is a conversation. As far but, as like know. rational, good, long-form conversation? Yeah, I th- yeah, just memes and arguments on Twitter. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, remember those those articles which came up about, I don't know, some weird CSS techniques that nobody would even, even imagine existed. And 
um, huge case studies on things. And for a while, I saw them on Medium. Um, but right now, I don't know, it's just a little bit more silent, maybe. Or everything is just too fragmented and scattered all over the place. Um, it's uh, different, I think. So I would love to see more magazines, actually. And, you know, just last week, I think, or two weeks ago, .NET Magazine has closed doors as well. well yeah. yeah, the print yeah. publication, right? And then you also see O'Reilly going, um, uh, you know, not running any um, conferences anymore, just going online, right? Which that's a big thing too, uh, you know, just I, when I got started, this I was thinking about this recently, but when I got started, being an O'Reilly author was like a crown of gold. Uh, you met an O'Reilly author and it was like, this person has whatever, a dodo bird for their cover. And it was like amazing, you know, it, it just... It, it was such like a, yeah. And, and that's milestone. not to say it's not anymore, but it was, yeah, it was a huge milestone. It was a huge thing. Cause that was the book they sold in the bookstores, like at the Barnes and Noble and at the, the borders near my house, you know? Um, so it was such a wild thing, but now that's, it's a little bit different. The landscape's different there. They got bigger and they got slimier. Sorry to say, but they've done enough slimy yeah. crap that I just kind of don't care anymore. You know, like, yeah, whatever. You're bigger than Oliver. You'll never notice this. You'll never hear this conversation. No, nobody there cares. You know, like, so what? I don't know. I didn't feel, I didn't pour one out for Right. Them. I think there is, um, what I'm missing, I guess, is this kind of diversity of everything, really, um, of publications, of, you know, there are conferences, but at the same time, there are only kind of few established conferences, I guess. Um, and the same goes for, you know, magazines and things. And I, I wish I could go like every single day to another magazine and just read incredible case studies and things really well designed, really mm-hmm. well prepared and things like that. It seems like we see many, you know, video tutorials and video courses locked on platforms. We see um, many kind of articles also locked in, you know, behind a paywall at times. Um, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just getting old in my 35 I don't know. Oh, I, I think you're right. I, I even just my consumption is a lot like of YouTube videos, but you know, there's uh, unless the YouTuber is putting a lot of effort into it, there's not a lot of editing there. It's it's hey guys, I'm gonna just use the internet for 25 minutes. Watch me, you know. Um, and, and I think because you, you're saying magazine, which I would put CSS tricks in that category too, like. You know, it's not just a blog. It's somebody's edited this. You've like, you know, gone through an editorial process. You've commissioned things. You're you view pieces of publications, not just like, not just like, hey, anyone write anything. You're you're kind of like, let's just kind of like line up things that they don't overlap. You know, too much, and and so I think both of y'all do a great job doing that. And and I don't really see that anymore i mean yeah there's medium but that's just people barfing out their companies like propaganda (laughs) and then there's youtube which is like very informal it feels like um sometimes and then then what you're saying vitally everything else is kind of behind a paywall if you want to learn how to use something you kind of have to cough up bucks for Isn't it. that so. is that just the industry shaking out i mean what do you feel about that vitally is the differentiating factor the fact that you do a good job that <laughs> you actually like have an editorial process. I'm not sure. I think that in many ways it's kind of, we're living in this interesting world where we see the democratization of things, right? Um, you know, for example, I really hate Ryanair, uh, the airline, right? I really do. But in many ways they gave people an opportunity to fly cheaply, right? Um, when we look at things that you can do today on the web, even without having any kind of formal education, anything, Essentially, you can go and get a course on React and just just move into React somehow and do something on it. Um, that's something you couldn't do, let's say, like you know, maybe 15 years ago or so. Um, and in many ways, when when you see all those things kind of happening, um, I feel like in in some ways it's great that it's really easy to get in and people can publish stuff and things. However, when foundation is missing, that's of course kind of trouble, right? Um, I keep running into conversations in companies where they just, you know, literally um, don't understand what is happening. And so when I see, like, for example, see, um, not CVs, um, job profile, job openings, it's like they're expecting one person to be able to do everything, like absolutely everything, right? Um, and that to me shows that this industry in which we are, 
in some way kind of weird in, in, a, in a good way, I guess, and that we all live in this really diverse world where so many things are happening. Um, you know, you take front end, you take design, you take everything. And then there is always that niche that's extremely exciting where there's a lot of stuff happening. But at the same time, we're kind of maybe missing the understanding of what makes a good product online. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of in, in some way, something that I feel is really missing. Oh, we just got very, very sad all of a sudden. No, I, I think I, I, I was leaving room, but I think, um, in our experience, we feel the same way over Paravel. There's, you know, you can make a website, you know, or anyone can make a website, you know, on Wix or, or Squarespace or whatever, but to make a good one now that there's a, and that's very subjective, but to like make a good one that's very usable is, is very different. And same with like a magazine to make content that's very readable and understandable and leads the user through a learning process that's difficult work and, and not everything does that. Yeah, so. but at the same time, I must say I'm very, very excited still. I mean, uh, what, I mean, I don't know, how many years have you been in this industry now, Chris? Dave? Oh, it's, you know, going on 20. 20 years. Imagine oh. that. 20 yeah. freaking years. That's a lot of time, right? And I feel like every single day when I wake up, I still want to learn and check CSS tricks and see what else is coming up. And all of that makes me extremely exciting. So in many ways, I'm kind of really hopeful and happy. You know? And I think that one thing that really differentiates kind of interesting companies from boring ones, I'm not you know, trying to point fingers or anything, um, but I think like we have this opportunity to innovate all the time. And you see this happening right now in this really weird and strange times as well. When you see all these wonderful virtual conferences showing up as well, and you see people inventing all kinds of creative Zoom remote session audits, whatever, right? And I love it. It's like it really shows the spirit of the community that actually, you know, exists. It feels like, you know, we've been sleeping a little bit on Twitter and we've been sleeping a little bit on you know, Facebook and whatever else we're using, LinkedIn and all the others. But now is really the time when we actually start connecting on a really deep level. And I love it, I must say. This episode of Shop Talk Show is also brought to you by X-Team. That's x-team.com slash shop talk show. X-Team allows you to work from anywhere for the world's leading brands and get supported to do more of what you love as a developer. Maybe you haven't heard of X-Team before, but X-Team is a 100% remote company that helps companies scale their development teams by providing them with extraordinary teams of developers from around the world. They believe in living a life of freedom that allows developers, that's you, to spend more time getting energized by your passions. They fostered a unique, active lifestyle and culture around this idea that continues to attract thousands of developers to apply every day. X-Team is the most energizing community for developers in the world. What separates X-Team from their competition is the level of attention and care they give to their developers. They proactively support them, fund their learning and growth, and connect them in roaming hacker houses around the world, and then give them a remote environment that motivates and inspires them on a daily basis. Where other companies simply place and drop their talent, they foster and cater to their unified team of developers centered around the same beliefs, values, and lifestyle. So check out X-Team if you'd like the chance to work with big brands like Riot Games, Fox Broadcasting, Kaplan Incorporated, Coinbase, Beachbody, and more. You get to live and work in one of their roaming hacker houses, X-Oposts they call them, around the world. It changes locations monthly, allowing you to explore and work remotely in the most beautiful locations. You'll get to take part in adventures, share passions, and learn how to be a better remote developer. You'll get to take part in one of the most energizing community for developers in the world by participating in their seasons, a three-month experience filled with challenges, rewards, games, competitions, and more, all centered around a theme that will inspire and energize you. And you'll get $2,500 per year to spend on doing more of what you love and staying energized. Use it on conferences, courses, video games, photography equipment, and more. So if your developer is looking for a chance to try out remote work, visit x-team.com slash show and find out more. Our thanks to X-Team for sponsoring this episode of Shop Talk Show. Yeah, I think I uh, I saw Mark Teal from Beyond Teleround. Um, you know, they had to cancel their conferences because of Corona and everything, which is just, you know, gutting for a small conference, I'm sure. Um, but 
uh, had like a online hangout with just people who go to the conference. And I thought that was very cool. Um, cause yeah, it's now getting more smaller form. It's not just, Hey, everybody go hang out in a loud, <laughs> whatever conference hall for a week. Like, yeah. It might be better for some people, huh? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'm starting to get a little fatigue of it. Like you're, we're already on zoom for our jobs. And then this conference wants to be on zoom. This, you know, there's this music thing that's on zoom. There's, you know, it starts to be like your day fills up with this. And there's some, like, I find it even an average zoom call is a little fatiguing sometimes. And I feel like if you spend your whole day, like you just can't, there's just like a limit to how much you can participate in stuff. And I think I agree with that, but I also think that it's really an opportunity to invent something else. So in many ways, when we think about, uh, you know, conference, or when you think about essentially just moving digital altogether, like it doesn't matter if it's a conference or, you know, remote work or anything, we really try to replicate this physical experience or in-person experience on di- to digital or to online somehow. And so we use, you know, reliable tools like Zoom and others in order to do that. And I think that sometimes it's okay, you know, if you need to have a call, that's a call. But if you want to have a conference, you really need to rethink the entire experience. And this is what we've been trying to do for the last two months, actually, right? Uh, Because it's not just about taking what you have, just a couple of speakers and say, okay, we have two conference, two full days for conference in Austin. Okay, we're going to move it and have two full days in, you know, of conference and just online. Yeah, it's not a one-to-one no, 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 no. I think we really need to kind of think about um, how can we make the best out of online, right? Because there are incredible opportunities there. I mean, I don't want to speak too much, so please interrupt me at any point. But um, I was so amazed by this incredible experience that we had with online workshops, right? That was just freaking unbelievable because I always thought that, you know, online workshops, this is just like, you know, webinars and boring and, you know, just boring corporate and all of that. And uh, when we started doing research and kind of trying to understand what people want to see, what people want to attend and stuff, um, it was very clear that people don't want webinars. Nobody is excited and, you know, wakes up in the morning hoping to attend another webinar today, right? But if you kind of make it exciting and interactive and people can participate and, you know, they turn on the video and stuff, then it's getting extremely exciting all of a sudden. So that moment when, you know, I was running a workshop and then all of a sudden you see all these people like just just in their living room with all kind of crazy virtual backgrounds and this and that. And you see people from India joining and from Singapore and South America and they all of them have something weird on the desk and, you know, they all have cats and dogs floating around and sometimes babies and this and that. It's just such an intimate moment, actually. This is an incredible workshop experience, which really makes everybody feels like, feel like they're on the same you know, in the same place, in the same position on the stage. Because if it's an in-person thing, like with a conference, let's say, well, there is a person on stage presenting and it's very frontal, right? But in this experience, mm-hmm. you're, like, you're like everybody else. And I think this is incredible. And in some way, it's even, you know, you know, it's distorted pixels and video and audio breaking up every now and again, right? But this is kind of a part of a humane nature of this kind of con- uh, communication, Right. And I think this is incredible. For me, that was incredibly empowering. I, I, I don't think I can come back to regular in-person workshops anymore. That's it for me. Wow. Oh, wow. Those are bold words. And so that's great. And, and you're, not, you're not just saying that either. Um, uh, you know, if I said that, it'd be like, yeah, whatever. Chris has some dumb opinion about conferences. You produce these things and you're doing it a lot. So, uh, if you go to smashingconf.com right now, the first thing you'll see is these online workshops that, that you're producing. And there's, you know, there's six of them coming up. Yeah. Uh, so good. Congrats. You're really, you know, you've been saying that this, you know, having to, to, to hole up has been having kind of weird effects on your, on your psyche, kind of going from, from sitting on the couch a little bit, but mostly like feeling highly productive. So congrats for that. And it shows. Well, thanks, Chris. You know, thanks for workshops Actually, alone. But I think that in some way it just needs us all to rethink a little bit of you know, how we do things and, you know, can we learn uh-huh. something from an online workshop? 
um, because it's well. What what have we learned? Are you going all day? Or you, it seems like you've done this interesting step where you kind of split them into into a lot smaller chunks than you do in right. person. So essentially, when I was running interviews and trying to understand what people feel comfortable with, right? Obviously, many of us are really stuck at home. Um, we have families. We have you know errands to run. We have you know things to do, and we have work to do as well, right? And nobody really wants to sit in front of a screen for the entire day. Uh, so we thought, how can we make it more, you know, family friendly and given the entire you know, situation also just a bit more comfortable for everybody to join and still be able to learn. And so essentially we took a workshops that we had and also we, you know, in the end later, we actually asked more people to come and join us as well. But we took the workshops that we had and we thought, Rachel and me, maybe we can just try it out and see how it works. So definitely not a full day. Definitely not a pre-recorded thing uh, because it was important for us, and this is what showed up in you know in research. People want to have this level of interaction, right? When they can uh, ask the question at any point, right? Um, where they can you know talk with each other in chat. Um, they do not want to sit in front of the screen and just watch the video and then join for Q and A, right? And I thought, okay, so what if we take that workshop, space it out over you know days or maybe even weeks? Right? So essentially, if you have a full-day workshop, that's like eight hours. You can chunk it into two hours. And then essentially, you have a four days uh, with two hours each. And the way we'd usually do that is, you know, one week you might have Thursday and Friday where the workshop is running. And then the other week, it could be also Thursday, Friday, let's say, right? Uh, and the important part is we always dedicate a lot of time for Q&A. And that's so cool because people have a lot of time First of all, over this you know span of two or even three weeks sometimes to really connect with each other because we also have a Slack channel where people can you know hang out and stuff, and they have an incredible amount of time which they would never get in an in-person workshop um, to ask all kinds of questions, right? Directly, mm-hmm. and so in, literally they have right. like six hours when they can ask all kind of questions because this is exactly the time we kind of dedicate to it or so, right? And it's been wonderful. I mean, right now, Brett Frost is answering questions like one and a half hours long for <laughs> every session. And, and this is wow. like, because, you know, it's, um, it's kind of a slightly different access to, you know, the expertise, experience, and things like that, which you just, you know, don't have normally in a one full day, right? Um, and so that's been a miracle for us. It's been really, really well, well working well. I, I like this on like, 10 different levels. I like the accommodating families because I'm thinking about me. Like, you know, I, I can't just sit at a computer for eight hours and then like go straight to family stuff or whatever. I, you know, for my work, like I still have clients, I have jobs. Like it's hard for me to be like, I'm going to take eight weeks or like whatever, two days, three days out of my life to like stop production on client work. That's hard to do. But but if you're asking like two hours a day, it's like, okay, I could block that off in like for over like two weeks or like four days over two weeks. Like I could do that. Like um that's very cool. And that Q and A thing is great too, because I, I feel like too, when I go to a conference and you know, somebody gives a talk after the second day and they're like, Any questions? It's like my brain is way too fried to even come up with a question that's helpful. And this seems like it's, I don't know. It it just, if you you give people like a day to refresh and then think, okay, here's what I have. I went back to my job and I tried something and here's what the problem I'm having is or something. That seems Mm -hmm. very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that many ways people kind of appreciate just um, having this uh, availability to be able to ask and, you know, being in a slightly more relaxed situation where again, they block up just, you know, two hours or so. Um, and also we have on top of that a kind of a collaborative Google Doc, which has been also incredibly exciting for me. This is just, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting too excited about things these days. But imagine that Google Doc, right, where everybody's participating and taking notes for each day, for each session, right? Um, and everybody has access to it and everybody is just making notes together. That's pretty cool. Right? But the best part is, you know, I'm sometimes I see this Google Talk being edited by like 50 people or so, Right. And then people are so kind because they're fixing typos of other people. 
and restructure things and add screenshots to the point that somebody else made and add some resources and you know add some questions from the chat. It's so collaborative. It's just unbelievable. In the same way, like you know, we're using Miro for group exercises uh, so people can draw things together and stuff like that. And it's so cool when you see 50 people kind of moving these pointers and drawing things together uh, from all the different parts of the world, literally, right? Like from India and from South America and all of that. And all of them are represented with these little pointers, right? And they move things together as a group exercise. That's just magical. I mean, to me, this feels like online can be boring with things like webinars, like just really passive webinars. But it could be extremely exciting as well because all of this people and you know thoughts and ideas and questions and collaborative work coming together now that's like you know i'm I'm just burning for it i really do what do you what's the difference like between (laughs) the cisco webinar and a smashing like a smashing uh workshop what what do you can you sum up the difference in like one word i think in our case it's just interaction really so it's um it's, um, I mean, it's fun. It's like we, I don't know, I mean, I'm just trying to bring in all the things that, you know, people know from our freaking, not freaking, friendly cats and, you know, the Smashing Conf experience onto it. So there is music, there are people asking questions, there is informal conversation with speakers. And, you know, even things are broken at times, which they're usually not, like audio issues, video issues and stuff. It's all, you know, very friendly. It's like, I think this the keyword is really, very friendly learning experience here where people feel very comfortable to support each other, to collaborate, to ask questions, to learn um, at their own pace. Because obviously they can also rewatch later or download recordings later, uh, even if they miss a session, right? Um, It's just, I don't know, it just feels very, very friendly to me, which is, and, you know, inclusive and accessible in many ways because some people just cannot go to a a workshop or in-person workshop or in-person conference. So that's an incredible opportunity for them as yeah, well. Yeah, it spreads out the ability to attend. That's cool. Some, I wonder if it's people will get better at it too. Like if, it's not like this is new technology, but obviously we're using it like 10x more than we were all of a sudden. So I think people will get better. Just some minor observations is that uh, for me, and this, you know, so this doesn't necessarily go everywhere. I really like it when any kind of Zoom call, but particularly one where that it's it's like I'm experiencing it new for the first time. Like I, I actually haven't done an online workshop. I, I would, I'm interested in it, but I haven't had the chance to yet. But I've done things like it. You know, like I'm even taking some uh, some like kind of music lessons slash jam together kind of opportunities thing that uh, was made possible because because of this online thing like it takes place in portland and i live in bend and it's i can't go to portland it's too far away but now all of a sudden i can take this class because it's on it's on zoom now mm. and they do a pretty darn good job with it it's, it's clear that they they learned the technology they know what button buttons to press they know how to teach somebody who's both good at zoom and not good at zoom and it, this doesn't have to be specific to zoom it could be any technology you know but they're they they guide it really well uh you know in, and then I've been on some calls where, you know, it's a little less clear what's going on. And I just feel like one thing that any one of these calls benefits is real leadership, you know, that the person who there's, there's somebody who's kind of obviously in charge of what's going on and they're, it, it, they're, it doesn't, they're not like floundering. And that's okay if you do a little bit. I'm not trying to like criticize people for like trying to figure things out, but I think these things just feel a lot more like if the goal is friendliness, that being like, having somebody like in charge who knows what's going on who can guide people there is good and the the interaction i would say in an online workshop there's almost no chance i would raise my hand and ask a question like it's not it's not my personality at all i would just i just suck at that even if i had a question i'm just terrible at it but on zoom i might here's the thing chris that's exactly what I was thinking as well when I was just really trying, you know, starting out because, you know, I was watching, I would, you know, passively watching, watch a webinar and essentially I would just turn it on and then do my, you know, dishwasher stuff and whatever, right? But sure. I was so amazed that, you know, whenever you explain to attendees that this is a really informal setting, it's a very friendly setting, so please turn on your video camera. Right, so everybody can see you, right? So please do pay attention. Please just speak up if you have a question or so. Then people start talking, 
And it feels like, you know, it's not very different from an in-person workshop in, in many ways. Um, and you just need to really incredibly, not incredible, but just in, in, encourage people to just, you know, be there. It's okay if you don't want to turn, off, turn on your camera. That's fine. You know, it's okay if you have your fancy virtual background and, you know, that, that's all fine, right? But there is no need to say, oh, please hold on your question for that particular moment and raise it then or write it in the chat. Um, and we've played with different things. And um, this moment when you can say, that's okay, you can just speak up if you don't understand anything or anything of the kind, but be respectful and mute yourself if you're not speaking, of course. Um, that's kind of liberates people to really ask questions right there. I, I would turn around a little bit and say, that, you know, while I might ask a question that, you know, it really helps me personally, just as advice for anybody that might be running one of these or being a leader of, of some sort, is to kind of call call people out, which feels, that also feels a little dangerous, but this has worked really well just for me personally. It's like, does anybody have any questions? Uh, no? Okay, I, I guess I'll move on. No, don't just move on. Then if if there isn't any, just pick somebody. Just look through the list and be like, Jan, how you doing? Chris? how's this feeling for you? You know, like, like almost like force them to talk, but not really force them. Of course, if they don't want to say anything, just be like, I'm fine. Okay. Over. But when you like, kind of like think of like a, almost like a school teacher where they intentionally call on students to get them to say something. I find that can be really effective in a zoom call it might open up a, you know, somebody might say something insightful who otherwise their personality is to not say anything at all. That, that you might get some insightful stuff out of it by kind of yeah i think in some ways it's just uh, also about people being you know comfortable in you know with the way things are and if you kind of prompt them to really participate then they might open up and just you know tell you the story of their life right and ask all kind of questions um but it's really i think the matter of making sure that in the very beginning everybody feels like oh this is not a formal thing this is me just being able to ask my questions even if i have a you know horrible mic or you know yeah. anything of that kind, and so we deliberately do not Hopefully, want to be like, like I paid for it. I better be. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't deliberately don't want to be like you know formal and strict and uh, all those things. And so, you know, um, I mean, for me, this has been really life changing. I don't even know what happens to me, but uh, I can't wait for the next one. I really can't. And um, you're giving one yourself, yes. aren't you? So yes. tell us what you're going to do. Oh, this is the most exciting part ever. Like for me, it's like I'm almost counting days at this point. I'm not even joking. Um, so essentially, it's like a interface design workshop where we take a look at many different things, like from simple things like coordinates and navigation to mega dropdowns to tables to maps to charts um, to car configurators to date pickers to web forms, all of that stuff. Um, and we try to look into best practices, basically. So what are the things that we are doing on the web these days? You know, what things work, what things don't work? You know, over the last few years, uh, I've been working quite a lot with different companies as a consultant. And I was lucky enough and had a chance to experiment and try things and stuff. Uh, and for me personally, I've been just collecting, you know, many examples on the web and bringing them into my little reference place. And that reference place happened to be Keynote, which is how it then became some sort of a workshop thing. Uh, because I have like, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 slides uh, with video recordings of, you know, wow. examples and stuff. Um, and this has been maybe my hobby. I don't know, it's probably a weird hobby. Um, but I love going to Japanese websites. I love going to Russian websites. I've been installing Indian apps. I've been installing Korean apps. I'm getting all kind of really weird emails in Korean and Japanese and Russian and, you know, all kind of languages, which I don't even understand. Um, uh, Russian, I do understand, but the others do not. And it's just interesting to see what are they doing? Do they also use a Hamburg icon or not? Right. Um, where, do, where do they place icons in general? Like how would the interaction is like? Um, I mean, it's probably not a good idea to click on buttons you don't understand, but I usually do that. And, you know, just, this is why I got a really weird email once, I think it was one like a year ago, where somebody from Japan thought that I actually bought a bike and they wanted to deliver it to, to Germany, um, which was weird because I don't remember buying a bike. Well, probably, you know, you shouldn't click on buttons you don't understand, but I do that and that's fun, right? 
And so I collect all these examples, and that's what the workshop is about. So you look through these examples. I think that's a great idea for a workshop, by the way. If you're, you know, you're if looking at things together, just can be so, so such a big deal. You know, I mean, when we do that with the own apps that we work on, you know, we get on a call with our coworkers. That's kind of what we're doing is we're we're looking at what we have and talking about it, and making examples, you know, and then to do that for hundreds of other sites and learn from what they're doing. What a great opportunity to do that. Yeah, you know? it's, uh, it's kind of fun for me, especially because I really like checklists. You know, I grew up in Germany, so I really like when things are organized. So for everything, my goal is really to organize everything in life that I have. Um, and so every time I encounter any kind of problem, it's really about finding kind of a good starting point to tackle this problem. Right? So I was working with European parliaments, um, and I was working with a couple of companies in Belgium as well. And, you know, web forms, like, what do we do with inline validation? What is the best practice for inline validation, right? Um, is it a good idea to disable submit buttons before, you know, the form is complete, right? All those things kind of are decisions that need to be made. And the earlier you make them, the better. And I think it's really a decision that designer and developer have to make together. So I end up creating this checklist for everything that I encounter from, again, from my mega dropdowns to carousels to forms to anything, and like my longest one is on forms, which is like 103 things that you need to discuss sitting down designer and developer together before you even start designing a form. And so I guess maybe I'm just weird, but that's my passion. That's, I believe it with forms. That's about as complex as it gets. So many things to think about. So, so that's good. I mean, and that kind of shows you know, to relate it back to Smashing Magazine there a bit is that you're not, you know, there, there might be a thousand articles about there about, about form validation that are just, they're just surface level. They're just like, hey, did you know that you could put the required attribute on an input? Oh, you can. And that, you know, and then you're like, well, great. That's one of 103 things that you, <laughs> you might think about in, in, in a form. And that makes, you know, I hate to say it, but it makes some of those articles like just less useful than an article that really actually digs into it. <laughs> well, yeah, in some way, but I think that all of them contribute. I mean, all the things that I have, for sure. example, is built on top of, you know, on shoulders of giants. And frankly, I mean, on your shoulders as well, because you've been posting incredible articles on CSS tricks. And, you know, I keep going and thinking, oh, this is more stuff I have to read now to really understand what's going on. And then, because, you know, you also have wonderful articles on forms and, HTML5 input types and all those things as well, right? Um, but I have no idea, Chris. I do. I must say, I do envy you. I do uh, because I I feel like right now, like right now, I'm slightly losing the grip of what's going on in front end. I really do. It's just too much for me. Um, I, 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 no, it's too much for, for everybody. For a long time, I thought <laughs> it's kind of okay. Tell me how you're feeling. Then. Yeah, for a long time, I thought I kind of understand what's going on. You have React thing, you have Vue, you have uh, single page applications, and this and that. And right now, I feel like okay, I just don't know. It says there was like Alpine GS, Alpine GS that made rounds, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm lost. I just don't know. I need to ask Chris or Dave. <laughs> I just don't know. That's it. Yeah, Dave's who really knows what's going on. I I'm caught up on everything. I'll just <laughs> this is my master class. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> tell us what is the future of front end looks like? Oh, robots. I, you know, like, I hope machine no, learning things, machine learning uh, front end, full stack front end, back end frameworks things. There's <laughs> the there well, not to be too futury here, but uh there is there's front end tech kind of happening to fix your front end code, <laughs> like use an AI to fix your front end. So like put labels on your forms or like, I don't know. Big like, fan of that. Just, I mean, just what's interesting is, is <laughs> front, front end may not, the problems, it won't get better, but, uh, or well, developers are going to keep putting out bad code. I think it's the future of running and, and then we'll have to use machines to fix our bad code. So. so that means that instead of talking to people who are going to annoy us about our errors, we'll be speaking to robots who will be um, kind of pointing out errors that we have and it will be a very sad conversation with robots. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully it goes well, but, but no, and I, I think, I think we're at a very pregnant point in the, um, 
the the future front end. I think I think we had a big. I have a talk on this right now, but it's uh, there's like a you know ten years ago, responsive web design came out. That's when Ethan wrote the article. About five years after that, five years ago, everyone was like, well, now that uh, the Boston Globe is responsive, we can make our sites responsive. And so I think a lot of companies made their websites responsive and a little more interactive. And then probably in the last five years, have started pivoting to like a, a JavaScript framework to do that. Um, but, you know, the, the first one isn't ever good, <laughs> you know, the first time around. And so I think companies are learning a lot um, and all these frameworks aren't exactly, they aren't mobile class frameworks, if that makes sense. They, they demand a lot of our tiny little phones. And I, I think we're on the cusp of having some maybe truly mobile class front end frameworks, which will change the landscape again. Um, and then hopefully we have a kind of good footing for building products in the future. That's my hope, but we'll see. And maybe web components play a part in that, but I don't know. Everyone's mad at those. So, What about you, Chris? What's the future going to look like? Oh, gosh, I got lots of thoughts on it. But you know, one thing that, that it feels uh, refreshing to me sometimes or is kind of a, a key to getting out of almost like the funk that you've described, you know, like, I just don't know. I'm losing grip on this. I don't think you are. I think there's more, there's way more that doesn't change than changes. Even if you look at Alpine and you're like, oh, I don't get it. It doesn't matter because it's like what you build with it is all the same crap. You got to ultimately comes down to HTML. You got to serve some HTML to a browser for it to do. User needs are all the same. They need to read some stuff. They need to click some stuff. Your data needs to go somewhere. You need to fetch that data out and put it in a template so that you can show it. It's like all that stuff has never changed in all the years I've done web development. It's just there's some new tools that do it a bit differently or they do it in a way that's like a little sturdier. Or there's less bugs or it's just a little more ergonomic to write or something. You know, it's, it's rare that like really big changes come along that change everything. Now, responsive design maybe was one of them because now they're like, oh, gosh, we really do have to like think about this differently now. You know, but the kind of the fundamentals are 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 still there, and they're so important. They're you know, I feel like if I could just start over on CSS tricks. So like I could do a video about border radius, and some people will be like, "Wow, cool!" You know, I would I love a, to a, a see a bit that. about grids the other day. You know, you can talk about any fundamental web concept, and people will be like, "Nice, I learned some stuff there." There's just no foundational chunk of knowledge that you can assume anybody has. Yeah. You can just talk about the same stuff over and over and over and over and over and over forever because there'll always be new people that just leave and then and then are just started. I'm just curious though. Do you feel like there are generations of developers right now where we feel like oh, totally. so so for example, oh, yeah. it's very interesting for me to see that very often uh, when I look at articles that we publish and I look at you know people who read those articles and people who attend our workshops and stuff, it feels like. Um, Maybe this is kind of my generation of people. So if I look at you know what's happening in React world, right? It's uh, it's a very different kind of audience, a very different kind of age wise kind of audience as well. Do you feel like that, or is it more you know it's like you know the the first generation of front end developers, like let's say who started like 10, 15, 20 years ago, is still around, kind of you know doing the things yeah. now with new technologies. Um, while the next generation, the new generation, is really massively pushing for React, for Vue, and all of that, do you see a difference, or is it just me? I mean, sure, there, there, maybe there's cohorts. You know, if you do like if you have a app that you sell, you know, or you're a startup with pro plans or whatever, a big part of your business analysis will be cohort analysis, figuring like who signed up for you, and then how, and then how, how do they drop off? You know, five years from now, how many of them are still around, or five months from now or all that. I think that works with developers too. You know, there's like a bunch of people are learning and then some of them drop off and they go forward, you know. And it's not as clear. It's not like a class, like a actual cohort where you there's just a sign-up period to become a developer. And, and then if you miss the cutoff, you got to start in September to be a developer. It's, it's a little more weird than that, but I get that that impression. And maybe those new newer 
cohorts, they do their entry point is just different. The things that they're exposed to are different. Mm. Um, particularly if they come in from something as formal as a as a boot camp, because then their only exposure to the web is whatever they happen to learn from that curriculum. And that curriculum is largely driven by what can we teach these kids, and I just say the word kids not because they're young, but just they're they're developer kids, you know, to to make them super hireable. And that's the, o- that's the only thing that drives a boot camp curriculum because that's the whole reason anybody goes to a boot camp is to get more money when they're done at, at some new job. So whatever is hireable or perceived to be hireable will be what they're taught. And then they come out of that and then now they don't have a teacher to ask anymore. Now they're, you know, they're Googling things and figuring things out on their own. And maybe that's only some JavaScript framework or who knows, whatever that that stuff is and th- that affects these cohorts and what they what they know and care about and think about well i think of a, 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 a something like event apart who sponsored the show and i think they do a great job they're a conference too like like smashing is and in their i don't think they would ever have a talk about react i don't think they would even touch it i don't think that's their vibe mm-hmm. i think they would say you know what we we're like more high level than that we don't have like technology specific talks we talk about bigger concepts that that will last and and i think that might make them appeal less to newer cohorts because they're like i don't know react is like all i know so like to go to a conference where you you didn't the word never even comes up once yeah, maybe that like the 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 target cohort for something like Event Apart is just different. Interesting, you know? because at the same time, when we look, of course, at the landscape of uh, conferences, uh, you know, React conferences attract literally tens of thousands of people, um, and this is where people go, right? Because of course, there are many JavaScript developers or you know, React developers. Mm-hmm. Um, yet at the same time, conferences like Smashing and like an Event Apart, uh, and you know, BTCon, you know, if we're talking about our good old friend Mark. Um, they're much smaller, yeah. right? Um, but also a bit more intimate, maybe. They also last. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. there used to be jQuery conferences. They used to be big. They don't exist anymore because <laughs> nobody cares anymore about that. They don't care to get together under that brand. What about Flash conference? No Flash conference anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. But I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's one. a good idea because I'm sure there must be some, I don't know, horrible legacy thing, systems where you have to use Flash to access that system or something of that kind. And somebody has to maintain them, right? Yeah, I mean, still, it doesn't make, it just doesn't sell tickets, you know, I don't know. Probably not. Not that I think it's impossible, you know, Smashing Comp could cho- choose to run a React-focused conference under your brand, you yeah, know? Environments yeah. for Humans did that. Oh, and, our, you know, just to, to mention our old departed buddy, Christopher Schmidt, I don't think we've mentioned on the show, passed away suddenly, mm-hmm. and that's uh, super sad, and, and shout out to you, buddy. But used to, you know, have that brand and then run conferences that sometimes were technology-specific under that brand, which might be a decent way to go. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I don't know. That was neat because you could scale it horizontally. You're like, we're just doing the same formula, but it's about accessibility now. Or we're doing the same formula, but it's about, you know, responsive design. Or it could be a React one. Or yeah, I think. Like from- Does it give you any comfort, Vitaly, to think, you know, hey, a lot of this stuff doesn't change. I can still, I can talk about UX forever. Yeah, I think obviously, like people, people's habits change every now and again. But people per se, the way they think, the way they read, and things like that, they don't change that much. I think, I mean, I don't know. For me, for the last fifteen to twenty years now, I mean, I remember designing the very first website in nineteen ninety seven. That was interesting times. VRML, DHTML, all those things. Um, before Flash, <laughs> right? That was that was remarkable. Um, I mean, in many ways, this all this time, all this time from since then until today, for me, that's been almost like a mystery to find out what is the better way to design forms, what is the better way to you know make this better and this better, and you know, radio buttons should they be you know circular? Yes. Uh, check boxes should they be square? Yes. And all those things. Um, and at the same time, you know, I've always been somewhere kind of attracted by front end, so really like JavaScript and CSS and accessibility and this and that. And so when I, when I look back now, I feel that many of the things have gotten so much better 
Like, you know, you look at an average website, just Googling on, you know, anything. And I really like doing that, uh, going to a random engineering websites in Turkey, right? Or going to a random, I don't know, medical appointment website in Switzerland, right? Um, and you see that many of them are horrible, but most of them are actually decent. They are okay. You can find the information they're looking for. They might not be the best, right? But um, they are pretty okay. So I think that we've gotten much, much, much better in usability and UX in general, but we kind of tend to forget some of those things along the way, especially in terms of accessibility, when it comes to really trying to be on the edge with front-end frameworks. Right? This is where I see things kind of breaking down every now and again, where you see a very powerful and reactive and interactive you know, experience, but it's extremely inaccessible. Like it's just there is no way you can use keyboard to access things or click on buttons or things like that. Um, that I think is something that we are missing a little bit. Uh, but overall, I do agree with you that if we get the basics right and we keep focusing on them, we're in a good boat. I think so too. I just think you know I, I almost mentioned all that because just if other people out there get get bummed sometimes about the you know the ability to not keep up and not know what's going on or feel like they don't have a grasp anymore it's like you know not to invalidate your emotions cuz that's never useful but but you know a word of encouragement just being i don't know, don't worry about it you know there's if you if you've been effective before you can be effective again you know one thing yeah i mean specifically you vitally i, I feel like you are willing to reinvent and willing to kind of like try, try a different way. I, you know, I think about the last time you were on this show, I, you were talking about, you know, monetization and, you know, you're faced with the like hard facts of like almost all your readers use ad blockers and you're an ad supported site. So, uh Oh, <laughs> what do we do? And, um, you know, and you'd, even before that, like pivoted out of like the top 10 jQuery plugins kind of articles into kind of more long form, like, like magazine articles. Um, and then, you know, I'd kind of love to, you know, you, you've kind of moved on to conferences a little more seriously since then. I think you had one or two shows a year back then, but you know, now you, you're selling books, you know, physical digital books as well. Like, is that going pretty well? Is that like, is the response pretty good? I know like, like Hayden Pickering's book, Inclusive Components yeah. is super rad. I think but. it was a very important move for us actually to move away from relying on advertising many, many years ago. Um, that, I mean, we've been around now for what, almost 15 years. That's a long time. Very much like CSS streaks, right, Chris? Very similar, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in our case, we... You know, we've been relying on advertising for a while, but then we started doing books indeed. And I think that books are, I don't know, frankly, I'm just, you know, I, I really like producing something that, I don't know, maybe it's just too naive of me, but I like to produce something that shares the knowledge with many people. And I'm really happy to, you know, speak for free to everyone and just for everybody to actually learn something. Maybe there are certain mistakes that I did that I don't want other people to repeat. And so our books kind of reflect that as well. So um, they are, I think, we, you know, we put our soul and heart into producing really good books. And the very first ones were not maybe as good as the last ones. Uh, but they are selling fairly well. Uh, so essentially, we, you know, we never run into troubles because we really take good care of producing books that we think people need or could use or like or will find useful, right? Um, and yeah, other products are kind of on the same boat as well. So we just try to make sure that we're having fun along the way by creating these books, by also you know having these online workshops now and conferences in general. And you know, it's in the end, I think like very much like with CSS tricks, it's just the community. That's all these wonderful people who chose to start reading us maybe a decade ago and maybe still read us today, um, or people who just don't like cats anymore and you know moved away. That's perfectly fine. And it's so cool for me to actually get emails every now and again with stories of people. I really encourage people to do that every now and again in our newsletter. And I always get this really incredible stories. Like 
you know, somebody who used to be a teacher in South Africa and they would print out the magazine article every day and that would be the teaching material for the school and, you know, other things like this, this guy from India and, had, you know, there was no school on digital anything. So he would just read stuff and articles and he never understands what's going on because he's eight, right? And so uh, he wanted to get some help and, you know, I was replying to him for a while, but then, you know, I can't really explain everything in the world. So we just sent him a bunch of books and stuff. And, you know, we never meet these people, I guess. We will never meet them, probably. But, you know, this fact that these stories are out there and that you can eventually, maybe, you know, a decade from now, get an email from somebody who is reading an article today. Well, that thing that really drives me forward. That's essentially why I keep doing that for, you know, even today. Although I don't know many people I really don't, uh, who stay in the same company, in the same industry for, I don't know, what, like 20 years? That's a long time. It's a very long time. I get a lot of that. You know, people run into me like, oh, your, you know, your early WordPress videos really helped me out. It's, you know, it was a big deal for my career back then. And it's, some part of it makes me happy. Like, hell, hell yeah, high five, good for you, you know? And some part of it is like, the, it, the implication is like, well, I don't visit your site anymore. <laughs> I just but needed that's it then. Fine, actually, I think that's. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah, fine. that's what I mean by cohorts. Yeah. Like they're an old cohort, long exactly. gone. Exactly. We get that with Shop Talk. It's like, oh, I I used to listen to Shop Talk. <laughs> like, Why not now, you jerk? But no, it's totally fine because it's I I because I know too as like a podcast listener, it's like there's an ebb and flow, right? There, there's different content and different everything kind of meets your needs at different times and suits you like a, like a pair of pants or a shirt or but something. I, I think that we're different. really, I mean, maybe again, I'm being too naive today because I just had my third coffee today, but um, I really think that we're doing something meaningful here. So the shop talk show that, you know, will be around for maybe, I don't know, hopefully like 20 years, you'll still be thinking, Oh, remember the 2020 edition? Um, that when we actually talked about this and that, um, I think that we are, I mean, my hope is really that for our work, we kind of help the generation of developers, designers to make the web better. And in the end, making the world better. And I'm not talking about this naive thing, like making the world a better place and stuff. But I do talk about things like, you know, making an interface a bit better, a bit more usable, a bit more accessible, a bit, a bit faster, a bit easier to maintain all those things. Because in the end, people learn things from, you know, articles that we and all, you know, people from the wonderful community around there share and write. It just, you know, if all those things are locked down behind a paywall or, you know, medium or whatever, then it's worse because it's a bit more difficult to actually learn things. And, you know, we're doing, I think, I mean, I cannot speak about ourselves, but I think that CSS Tricks and Shop Talk Show and all those wonderful resources out there uh, are really helping an enormous amount of people. And they, I don't think that people forget that easily. I think that, Chris, if you write an article today saying, you know what, I really enjoyed this ride and you know, I feel like moving on to something else, please don't, right? I think that people who've been you know, stumbled upon your article 10 years ago and that person who mentioned that you know, they watched your video tutorial on WordPress a decade ago or so, whatever, uh, or they will come and they will help if needed and they will do whatever it takes. The community is still there. I don't think that people are really forgetful. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, cats are forgetful, but people are not. It's a good point that even if you don't read something anymore, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's definitely like people and brands and just things from my past that I don't necessarily do anything with right now. But if you saw some, you know, if you saw some tweet that was like, help us out, I'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah, I think I'm there for you. I think people are not quite there yet. Although I could, this is a good opportunity to sell you something, right? Maybe you should all sign up for CodePen Pro. Okay, go do that. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and I get a smashing membership while you're at it. Yeah, well, I'll just spend all the money in the world on Shop Talk Show donation. Or do you have a Patreon or something? No, we don't have anything. No, we just sell ads. Nice. Speaking of which. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shop Talk listeners, this show is brought to you in part by CodePen. That's me, your host, Chris, co-founder of CodePen also. 
Sometimes I like to sponsor our own show and tell you about CodePen. It's a freemium app, so you can use CodePen for free, but I hope to compel you with the features of CodePen Pro. One reason you might upgrade is just because you like this show. That's fine with me. I'll take your support that way, but ideally there's some part of Pro that makes you want to upgrade. You know, one of the like little things you get with Pro is that you get unlimited embed themes. So you might like build something on CodePen in which to then use somewhere else, like use in a blog post or documentation or whatever. It's nice because you change your theme and then it changes on every single embed where you use that theme. Of course, that's very important to me, unlike CSS Tricks, for example, where I might want to change the look of the embed because we're redesigning the site or just want to freshen things up or something and have that theme change over the entire site. So, of course, I do that. If you need several, a bunch of themes, just go pro and you have unlimited of them, which is cool. Just one of a dozen or more features you get for upgrading to pro on CodePen. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Placement. <Yeah. laughs> well, there that was a good place. This is the moment. This is like, you know, some books have this extra like blank page, which says this page was left blank for, you know, whatever reason. And now comes the moment where this next space is left for Chris to announce the next sponsor. <laughs> hey. Yeah, uh, this is good. We just, we'll have one of these like blank space segments every show. Um, oh, actually, uh, this... just just talking about that. Sorry to interrupt you, Dave. I think that it would be really fun to fill in a podcast with blank spaces. Yeah. So you're like, you're actively listening to a podcast, and they're like, "We're just going to have two minutes of just silent time in case you need to go to the bathroom." You know? There's, there's um, there's this one. So there's this Davey five hundred four. He's a YouTuber who plays bass guitar, and he plays slap bass specifically. <laughs> Um, it's, it's just ridiculous kind of like ultra meme sort of stuff, but he, uh, at the, sometimes to hit the 10 minute video mark, he'll make a seven minute video and then he'll say, now we're going to do therapy with Davey 504. And he goes, how are you doing today? Good. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> and just it's, so it's just two, three minutes of that, and so maybe we'll Whoa, do that one minutes. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous, dude. It's ridiculous. But you know, when whenever you have um, you know people talking, and all of a sudden there is silence, then people start paying attention because hey, what what's going on there, right? So maybe that's a thing. People start thinking. People need to think, you know, especially in these times. But so you're designing and building things for people to think more, right, Dave? There you go. That's what I want to do. No. I want to. I'm. I'm thinking about getting into the publication business. I might. I might make a paper zine. That's what's on, on my brain. So I'm gonna be milling that about. Maybe we should talk. So, try. And, hey, maybe it, it might not be web related at all. Maybe one day I would, but I think mine might be sci-fi. A sci-fi zine is maybe what oh, I want to do. You know what I really would love to do, and I even have a like a written outline for the workshop I want to do once. It's like all the little things and life hacks I learned in my life. And that would include things like how to iron properly, like shirts and stuff, and how to pack your stuff, and how to cut a watermelon, and how to open a banana, and all those things. Imagine that in a full day. No, not a full day. Probably split over two hours, fragments and stuff. And I don't know, all kind of things. So we could have, you know, maybe, I don't know, you, Dave, coming in and, you know, telling what, is a little life hack you learned over the last couple of years. That'll be cool. You know, Kevin, Kevin Sharon, uh, former Hapcog uh, designer guy, uh, he gave a talk at Artifact Comp, and he said, "Here, I was curious how like a professional chef makes eggs. And just it hit me one day, and I just couldn't shake it. And so I watched this Gordon Ramsay video of him making eggs, and it was weird because it was totally different and it changed my life just like that moment i i changed how i make eggs which is so just bizarre but you think about like you know how does a professional chef make eggs oh that's way different than how i do it (laughs) so it's you could learn a lot by like i don't know a lot of people uh have weird tricks they do 
There should almost be some blog called like Life Hacker or something. Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Vitaly, uh, we are kind of hitting up against the time with all that space we created. Um, but um, I guess we should wrap it up. Thank you uh, for coming on the show. I uh, I appreciate it. Um, and it's always good to see kind of the changes that smashing is going through. So um, it, it's cool to see how y'all are adapting to the new normal here. And then just even kind of as your business evolves over decades. So that's cool to watch. So, um, but for those who aren't giving, uh, following you and giving you money, how can they do oh, that? Oh, well, we're trying to be very humble. Thank you so much for your kind words, by the way. And I'm looking forward to the podcast, I don't know, 10 years from now or two decades from now, maybe. That'll be cool. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we do have some nice products and things, but in general, we're trying to make sure that everybody, everything that we're putting out there uh, brings value. So, you know, if you're interested in online workshops, if you want to learn things like HTML email and, you know, performance and interface design and all that stuff, uh, we do have some really cool things happening on Smashing Conf and, you know, online workshops. And there is something new that we're planning on right now as well. And we have nice books and stuff. So, you know, anything you can just, you know, that's uh, up to you really. As long as you find it useful, I'm happy that you actually find it useful. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast of choice. Be sure to start her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. If you hate your job, every shoptalkshow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you. And Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Mm, shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>